Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Can we stand on our feet this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's such a sweet spirit that is lingering in the atmosphere from what we felt last night. And we just want to keep that same vein this morning. Can we lift our hands for a moment? And let's get into the presence of the Almighty God. Lord God, you're worthy. You're holy, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised, God. We lift your name on high. Yeah. 
middle of a storm, in the middle of a test, he's so great and greatly to be praised. I wish I had about two or three people that will come down to the front of the aisle and say, I'm going to give God a great praise this morning. We're going to sing it one more time. And I want you to put your dancing shoes on. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? Jesus says, he's a great God. He deserves my praise. He deserves my praise. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful?
Would you lift your hands? Let your voice be raised higher than your hands right now and just speak the name of Jesus. Come on, would somebody just sleep? Just speak the name of Jesus in this house. Come on, he's here this morning. He came to meet us. He came to speak to us. He came to minister to us today. The name of Jesus is powerful. There is nothing the name of Jesus cannot solve, cannot do, cannot work. What an overflow of God's presence is in this house this morning. Thank you for waking up early. Thank you for being here at Wins Conference. Today we're going to hear from the Lord and His presence has already ushered itself into this place. And I wonder before we go back to our seats today, if we could just pray over this day that God would anoint every speaker. His presence is already here, but I want us to, to pray today that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to receive God's word today. Would you lift your hands and just begin to pray, God, I know we've heard a lot this week already. We've experienced so much of your presence and your power, but God, today is a new day. We've come to hear from your word today, God. We've come to magnify and exalt the name of Jesus, but we've come to receive, oh God, to be empowered, to be equipped. God, to move from this place, to go beyond these walls and these borders, oh God. I, I pray today, oh God, that you would minister to every person that has made the sacrifice, God, that's, 
God, that has spent money and resources to come to Winds Conference. God, I pray that you would honor every effort, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we are yours today. Speak in this house. Speak into our spirits, oh God. Minister in this place, oh God. Now would you give him a hand clap of praise and thank him in advance for doing it. Oh God, we thank you. Oh God, we praise you. Amen. Remain standing as you make your way back to your seats today. The beautiful presence of God that is here. Thank you, brother and sister Myers, for the vision of Winds Conference. For someone that knows a little bit about putting on a conference, there's a lot that goes into this, but it would not happen without their vision. And the people of this great church, I know we've done it already, but can we give them a hand for for all of the effort and vision that they have placed? Amen. It's my privilege to introduce to you today a man that really needs no introduction. We're becoming friends because we have so many mutual friends and looking forward to relationship with Pastor Joel Urshan. He and his wife pastor the Tree of Life Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. He is an awesome preacher, which you already know and you will experience again today. But the greatest compliment that can be given to him, if you're around him for any length of time, you know he's an even better Christian. I'm thankful for the example that he leads. His youngest daughter, Sophia, is in her first year at Urshan. His other daughter, Anna, and husband, Zach, have five-month-old Letty. He is now a proud papa. His wife, Heidi, is known as Lala, and their home is now La La Land. I think that's his most proud accomplishment to this point. Would you give him a great hand and welcome him to this pulpit right now, Pastor Joel Urshan. Could we give the Lord a great hand clap of praise this morning? For he is good. Amen. And his mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carney, for that very kind introduction. I am so thankful uh, for uh, my family and the great uh, blessing of the Lord that is upon them. And I'm so thankful that we're all here together. Amen. Brother Kyle and I were talking about the blessing it is to have your family together because when you, when you don't have your family with you, you sit in a conference like this and all you can think about is, oh man, I wish, I wish my family was here because they would love this. But they are here and we're so thankful for that and uh, appreciate this wonderful, wonderful team. I want to give honor as I just, I, I must give honor to Pastor and Sister Myers. God bless them, my dear friends. Amen. Dear friends for many years, dating back to 1997. My goodness. And now uh, some of our speakers, I think they were born that year. So this is really, this is really uh, telling the tale here. But 
we are just so thankful for the great uh, blessing of God that has been upon this conference. My goodness, I, I don't know when I've heard greater preaching sent from heaven than what I've heard this week. Oh, my goodness, we have sat in heavenly places. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so humbled to be able to stand up here and, and, uh, and, and just participate in what the Lord is doing this week. And I give honor to all those who have spoken. I give honor to all those who are getting ready to speak. And uh, God bless each and every one of them. And uh, the man that's following me today, Brother Robinette, God bless you, Brother Robinette. Amen. We love, appreciate you and your family. Thank the Lord. And I, I want to say publicly, I thank God for your influence on this generation. This man is a revivalist that has gone throughout the world. And, and not only has he been used of God to harvest many souls for the kingdom of God, but he has, he has put his hand upon many others who are doing the same thing. And it's an honor to be able to be teamed with him today. And uh, so many friends, so many friends. I want to give honor to the Elms family. God bless this wonderful family, our dear friends. Amen. Amen. We love them. And we, and we share first cousins. We share first cousins. And uh, we thank the Lord for all the family of God. Amen. I, I believe I may see Brother Humphrey back there. God bless Brother Humphrey. God bless you, sir. I just want to give honor to Brother Ronald Humphrey. He gave me and my brother opportunities to preach when we were teenagers in Plymouth, Indiana. And uh, we would go preach and had some great revival meetings. And I just want to honor that uh, Brother Humphrey, man of God. And uh, I would like to this uh, morning turn your attention to the word of the Lord. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 11. I've been so blessed by the preaching of the Word of God. I, I could have just listened and listened and listened. And uh, honestly, preaching in the middle of all this, you just don't even feel worthy to preach in the middle of such great preaching. Uh, but uh, one of the things Brother Robinette said coming into this meeting, and it was such a word from the Lord, he said, Such as I have, give I thee. And so today I will try to... If there's anything I have, I'd like to give it to you. 1 Samuel chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul, and told the tidings in the ears of this people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And I want you to notice these next couple of verses. The Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was greatly kindled. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces, 
and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. I would like to also read to you from the book of Proverbs chapter 14. I want to read one verse of Scripture from the 14th chapter of the book of Proverbs, verse 4. Proverbs 14, 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. And I would like to speak this morning as we open up our Friday session with this subject, strong as an ox. Strong as an ox. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the gathering of your people. And we pray today that your word would have free course. Lord, we are finite, you are infinite. We are lowly, you are high and lifted up. And I pray that today you will anoint the preaching of your word. Not for our glory, but for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would leave today with understanding understanding you would have us to have make us who you want us to be in the precious name of jesus we pray everybody said in jesus name everybody said amen Amen. and amen god bless you you may be seated in the name of the lord allow me to just mention the a little a little history um In the early 1960s, the United Pentecostal Church commissioned a radio uh, broadcast. A radio broadcast was uh, like a podcast (laughs) that was on the radio, and you had to wait till it was scheduled to come on, and that's some ancient history, some uh, antiquity there for you. But the, the broadcast was deemed necessary by the United Pentecostal Church International because they felt the need to reach, and, and the, the, the tagline of this particular broadcast was reaching every nation with Bible salvation. And so they did. They, they commissioned a radio broadcast. My grandfather preached, my grandmother sang, and uh, the Calvary Tabernacle Choir, Brother Carson sang, and, and, uh, and it was just a wonderful broadcast. The, the name of it was Harvest Time. Harv- Anybody remember Harvest Time? Amen, amen. God bless you, Brother Churchill. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a special thing, and it, and it went on for almost, if not, if not right at 40 years, maybe a little over 40 years. And it reached the islands, it reached the nations, it reached the villages, and people would tune in to harvest time in the mornings. A lot of Sunday mornings, people would get ready for church and they would listen to harvest time. And the preaching of the gospel would, would waft through the, the homes as, as harvest time was played. And Grandpa would preach and uh, Grandma would sing and uh, Grandpa would preach Jesus. And he would, he would lift high the name of Jesus. And it was, 
It was really such a beautiful thing. And uh, my grandmother would sing. Now, I could do an impersonation. I could actually have a whole, I could have a whole broadcast for you right here and now if you'd like. I could do Brother Rose, I could do Grandma, I could do Grandpa, I could do the whole thing for you right now. <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you, I will tell you, I was telling a story one time that involved an impersonation. I was at a table full of ministers and I was just about ready to get to impersonate Grandpa Urshan and a lightning bolt struck the concrete outside the window where I was sitting. And I... Open my mouth, not again. I uttered not another word. I didn't know if it was God or Grandpa, but either way, it, it unnerved me. <laughs> but they would sing and they would preach and they would lift their voice. And people, reports of people, truck drivers pulling over to the side of the road and repenting of their sins and receiving the Holy Ghost in, their, in the cabs of their trucks and finding United Pentecostal Church and being baptized in Jesus' name and, and, and later going on to become pastors. A rocket scientist became one of our great pastors from listening to Harvest Time. And on and on the stories go. The song opened as grandfather, Grandpa would finish preaching, Grandma would come on to the, the broadcast singing, harvest time, harvest time. The grain is falling, the Savior's calling. Oh, do not wait, it's growing late. Behold, the fields are white, it's harvest time. And this is a part of our history, but, but it's a part of our present day as well. Because it's still harvest time. The grain is still falling, the spirit is still calling, and we still cannot wait. It is growing late. Behold, the fields are white. It's harvest time. God is interested in harvest. We have heard reference after reference, the call of the spirit in this particular meeting, a call to the harvest. A call to the field. And as Brother Bounds said so eloquently last night, the fields, plural. Called to the fields to thrust in the sickle, to, to bring about the great harvest of God. It is now. It's not four months and then. It is now. It's not when you turn 20 or 21. It is now. It is not when you get invited to preach. It is now. It's not when somebody recognizes your potential. It is now. The harvest is now. The harvest is now. Throughout the scriptures, references to this harvest are replete and they, they, are, they are continual. Genesis 8 and 22, when the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest and heat and cold, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. David said, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth bearing precious seed and weepeth shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Solomon said, he that observeth the winds shall not sow. He that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. And that 
thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. Paul said to the church at Galatia, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. He said to the church at Corinth, I plant and Apollos watereth, but God gave the increase. So then neither is it he that planteth anything, nor he that watereth, but God who giveth the increase. Hallelujah. In his second epistle to Corinth, he said, He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Jesus said, No man having put his shoulder to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Jesus said, Say not ye there are four months and then the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields for they are white already hallelujah if you're wondering when the time is right to do the work of God I'm going to tell you that's the word right now already when is the time to pray and fast already when is the time to evangelize already when is the time to witness already it's harvest time it's harvest time the grain is falling the spirit's calling do not wait. It's growing late. Behold, the fields are white. It's harvest time. Hallelujah. Jesus would say to them, listen, in the kingdom of God, if I could describe it to you in any way, I wish I could tell you the kingdom of heaven. It is, it is like a sower that went forth to sow. And, and he sowed indiscriminately just everywhere he went. He was throwing seed and some of the seed fell upon the side, the wayside. And some of the seed fell on uh, thorny ground. And some of the seed fell upon shallow ground. Oh, but some of the seed fell upon good ground. Hallelujah. And he didn't matter to him where it fell or how it responded. He's just going to throw seed everywhere he goes. That's actually where the term broadcast comes from. It is a casting abroad of the seed. It's time to take the seed and cast it wherever we can cast it. It's time to take the seed and throw it around. Throw it around. Drop it here. Drop it there. Drop it everywhere. Hallelujah. Cast it on the wayside. Cast it on the thorny ground. Cast it on the shallow ground. Huh? You don't get to decide where you throw the seed. You don't get to decide who's worthy to hear the gospel. You just cast the seed. You don't get to decide what kind of ground it is. Only the God of the harvest can say what kind of ground that's going to be. Oh, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of good ground that we prejudged as shallow. There's a lot of good ground we prejudged as shallow and unable to receive. 
We prejudge too much ground saying it's too thorny, it's too prickly, it's teach it, you just sing it, you just pray, you just fast. The sower went forth, and I got to say this, the sower went forth to sow. He didn't go forth to reap, he went forth to sow. Paul said, I plant, that's sowing. Apollos watered, hallelujah, but God gave the increase. You sow, that's our job, sow. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. Just sow the seed. Hallelujah. And, and he went on to say, just shortly after describing that, he said, if I could describe the kingdom of, of God in, in, in any way, the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's, like, it's like a man that went and sowed seed in his field. He sowed good seed in his field. And, and then he went to sleep. And while men slept, an enemy came in and sowed, sowed tares among the wheat. And, and the man woke up and said, where, where did these tares come from? His servants were saying, didn't you throw good seed in the field? He said, yes, I threw good seed in the field. They said, well, where did these tares come from? He said, an enemy hath done this. An enemy hath done this. He said, wait until the end at harvest time and take up the tares from the wheat. Let them be separated. Take the whole harvest, but separate the tares from the wheat. And, and he went on to say, I, I, if I could describe the kingdom of heaven in any way, I, I would tell you that it's, it's like a man who, who sowed a grain of mustard seed. He, he, he sowed a mustard seed, which is, which is the least of all seeds. The least of all seeds, but, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of all herbs and the branches grow out and trees, birds lodge in the branches of that tree. This is the way that the Lord would speak concerning his kingdom. He said, it's a harvest field. He said, there's a lot of sowing involved and there's a lot of watering involved. There's a lot of planting involved and there's a lot of reaping involved. This is the way my kingdom operates. Mark chapter 4 and verse 26, he said, So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep. Hallelujah. He should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. I don't know how the seed is growing up. I don't know how someone is receiving the gospel. I don't know how they ever broke loose of those chains. I don't know how their marriage was ever healed. I don't know how they ever came through that trial or that crisis. But all I had to do was sow the seed should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up he knoweth not how for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself first the blade then the ear after that the full corn in the ear but when the fruit is brought forth immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come immediately he putteth in the sickle rising night and day that's what the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of God is like a man who sows seed in the field and then rises night and day looking after that field and as soon as the fruit comes forth puts in the sickle because the harvest is come and I want you to know the harvest is here 
I see something special in this generation. I see something special in this generation. This is a God-ordained generation. You are not afraid of your culture. You are not intimidated by your culture. We look at this generation and this culture and we think, my goodness, this is the craziest, whacked out, weirdest thing I've ever seen. But you're not afraid of it because God has anointed you to evangelize it. Don't let this culture convert you. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. There's something special. I see something in this generation that I saw in my grandfather's generation. There's a dedication. There's a consecration. There's a sacrifice. There's a willingness to sow the seed. There's a willingness to lay down, lay down your life. There's a willingness to put your heart and soul into the work of God. And that's so important because the harvest is come. It's time to put in the sickle because the harvest is come. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus was looking at the multitudes and he began having compassion upon the multitudes. As he was looking at them, he said, I, I see all of these people that are so, so sick and so wounded and so broken. And, and then as Brother Blackshear preached so beautifully at the conference this year, he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. And he was moved with compassion at those who were sheep having no shepherd. And as he began to be moved with compassion, he said, listen, he said, the harvest is truly plenteous. Don't you ever forget that. The harvest is truly plenteous. There are plenty of people who need Jesus. He said, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers. Let me tell you, the problem is not the harvest. The harvest is plenteous. And the problem is not the Lord of the harvest because he will participate in the harvest. The issue is the laborers. I submit to you there's a labor shortage. If I have to walk up to one more restaurant that I need to have open till 11 o'clock, I'm hungry. I got a whole host of people that are hungry that just came out of a red hot Holy Ghost revival meeting. And we need something to stay open till 11 o'clock. We'll tip you real good. But they can't because there's a labor shortage. The hungry can't be fed because there's a labor shortage. God forbid that the world come to the doors of the church because of COVID or whatever, there's a labor shortage. I'm sorry, we don't have enough people to teach you Bible studies. I'm sorry, we don't have enough people to pray for you. I'm sorry, there's nobody here willing to come in and sacrifice the time and put forth the effort. No, the issue is not the fields. The fields are white, all ready to harvest. And the issue is not the Lord of the harvest. He's ready. He's ready. He's willing. He's able. The issue is the laborers. 
the laborers. I need the laborers to enter into this harvest field. The laborers, hallelujah. Laborers to start praying. Laborers to start fasting. Laborers to start consecrating. Laborers to start teaching Bible studies. Laborers, hallelujah. Laborers. And when this book was written, and this, this holy book was written, the kind of labor they had for the purpose of harvest was an ox. It was an ox. Now, today we have combines, but then they had oxen. They had John the Beloved. They had John the Baptist. They had John 316, but they didn't have John Deere. <laughs> the work of reaping was hard the work of sowing was grueling when the lord said in the morning sow thy seed he was he was talking to people with grizzled hands and and aching backs he was talking to people who had spent every morning sowing their seed when when he said if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you reap so bountifully, you will reap bountifully. He was talking to people who knew the pain and the anguish of individually setting out along with what laborers they could hire to come and help them sow into a field that seemed insurmountable. And, and, and one of the ways that they had, one of the great inventions, great technologies that they had was, was an ox because the ox had been basically custom made for this purpose of harvesting, plowing, plowing the fields. No, they, 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 weren't, uh, they weren't just a, a, a bull. They, were, they had gone through surgical procedure in order to keep them from being aggressive and resisting the yoke. They had submitted to a surgical procedure that would prevent them from, from resisting too much. And it took years to get them yoked, trained to a yoke. It took a long time to get them under the burden of that yoke and get their attention off of what is going on out there and focused on the path in front of them and, and they would plod ahead the ox and they, they would plow great fields, large acreages of fields and they would put a yoke on them. If they resisted the yoke, it would, it would dig into their back and it would, it would begin to create wounds and injuries and, and, and injuries that would get infected and cause great hardship to them and, and even, even if they would not, would not submit to the yoke, the farmers would just have to Use them as beef and not as harvesting animals. That's the ox. The ox is a full-grown steer. A full-grown steer. And it's allowed to live to its, its great maturity and the strength of that thing. It's a term we use to describe the strongest people we know. If we see somebody that's really strong and we want to tell somebody how strong they are, we say they're strong as an ox. Because that's what it takes to reap the harvest that the Bible is talking about. 
You're not going to reap the harvest of Mark 4 with a combine. You're not going to reap the harvest of John 4 with, with John Deere. You're, you're not going to reap the harvest. This is the international harvester. It doesn't work in the Bible's concept of harvesting. In the Bible's concept of harvesting, we need those that are strong as an ox that can put their shoulder to the plow, that can come under the yoke necessary to take them through the long, arduous fields. And if you're going to try to shortcut your way to revival, it's not revival you'll end up at. If you're going to try to shortcut your way to miracle signs and wonders, it's not miracle signs and wonders where you'll end up. You're going to end up in some distant land where you know nothing of the God of the Bible, but you've got to come under his yoke. Oh, friend, but I've got news for you. If you will just come up under his yoke, his yoke is easy. The challenge you have is your rebellion, your stubbornness, your lack of submission. But if you come up under the yoke of God, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Ah. King Saul happened upon a sight, a scene, a scene where men were weeping. The Gileadites had just told the nation of Israel. They, because the Gileadites were a part, they believe, of the a half-tribe of Manasseh. They were descendants of Manasseh. And they had been approached by the Ammonites that were going to conquer them. And they said, please do not kill us. They said, we will, we will spare your life if you let us pluck out your right eye. We're going to show all of Israel who the Ammonites really are. It was, a, it was an act of cruelty, and it was something that was common in those days where a severe act of cruelty would, would be used in order to show anybody that dare think them to be weak not to make that mistake. And so they, they were saying, if you'll let us cut out your right eye. Well, that sounds like a terrible deal. Yeah. I don't know if I want this after all. I, you know, you just cut out your right eye and we'll be friends. With friends like that, I mean, my goodness. So Jabesh Gilead comes up onto the scene and they're like, listen, we've got good news and bad news. The good news is the Ammonites are willing to make peace. The bad news is that they're going to cut out our eyes. And, and that's, that's just no way to make peace. And so... King Saul comes up on the scene of them lamenting this terrible news. And, and, and the Bible says, now I know Saul was, he was a character. And I know Saul had his issues. And, and he was at a witch's house later in his life. And he resisted and rejected God later in his life. But, but in this moment, in the purity of his walk with God, and let me tell you something. Don't mistake thinking that you can be pure now and change later brother gore as he mentioned so beautifully yesterday you need to be committed now and forevermore there was a time when king saul was anointed of god and the bible says that the spirit of god came upon saul and his anger was greatly kindled and he said who do they think they are coming against the people of god who do they think they are them coming against the people of israel but he had a problem and the problem was that israel was all segregated and separated and segmented into their tribes doing their own little thing 
And they didn't really care about the Gileadites. Let the Gileadites deal with what the Gileadites have to deal with. I've got my own stuff going on. I've got my own issues that are taking place. And I'm going to deal with what I need to deal with. And Saul was looking for a way to wake them up. And make them understand the dire nature of these circumstances. So the Bible said that in his great anger. And while the spirit of God rested heavily upon him. Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Saul took a yoke of oxen. And divided them up. Cut them asunder and began to divide up the yoke of oxen. And he began to carefully place them in little packages. And mail them to each tribe of Israel. One day when those Amazon Prime packages showed up. Now, you know the joy that floods your soul when the Amazon Prime truck shows up. Amen. And brethren, if you can't relate, if you've got some women in the house, you just pay attention. If you hear a shout of glee, and it could very well be because Amazon Prime, FedEx, UPS showed up with whatever it was that they ordered. They may not even know what they ordered. They don't even know what it was. It could be a variety of things that are currently on the, on the waiting list. But, but when it comes in and they open that package, they're going to be rejoicing with exceeding great joy for whatever it is. And so the Amazon Prime packages show up and, and, and they're excited to see what came in the mail. But what to their wondering eyes did appear? But just a piece of bloody mangled oxen it was startling naphtali gets a, a hoof in the mail zebulon gets a gets a horn in the mail and and issachar issachar gets a gets a right leg and a left leg in the in the mail and and asher asher gets gets a uh, some kind of a brisket or something in the mail. They might have cooked that. They might have they just thrown that on the grill. But none of them had a whole ox. Every one of them got a piece of the ox. But none of them got the whole ox. And Saul was sending a message. We're strong, but we're divided. We're powerful, but we're not together. We can do anything, but we can't do anything. We have the ability to take what God has given us, but not while we're segmented into our little borders and in our little places. Not when I'm looking after what's in my best interest. And this is what he said. He said, look, 
He sent a little note. It was a little note attached and said, you better come fight with us because there's an enemy on the border of Israel. And I don't care how safe you think you are because you're in Asher and you're not in Gilead. Because you're in Zebulun and you're not in Gilead. I don't care how, think you, how safe you think you are. What you see in your mailbox right now is exactly what's going to happen to your yoke of oxen in your barn. And I've got news for somebody. You can't sow discord in somebody else's field without reaping it in your own. Don't you try to tear up what God is doing in his kingdom. Because the yoke of oxen in your own household will become divided. Never open up your mouth against the preacher. Never open up your mouth against the word of God. Never open up your mouth against your brother or your sister. Never open up your mouth. Listen, never open up your mouth against the least of these. You know, the one everybody's kicking around. Don't open your mouth. My God, we are a peculiar people. We don't act like the world. I know we don't dress like the world, but we also don't act like the world. And just because we don't dress like the world doesn't give us a license to act like the world. We don't get to act like the world. We are a peculiar people. We are a united people. You must be one with each other. Do not call yourself oneness if you are not one with each other. The oneness of God starts with the theology of God, but it culminates in the unity of the body. Sometimes we start dancing around the oneness of God. The oneness, and listen, I dance with everybody over the oneness of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But don't call yourself oneness if you're dividing the body. You're not oneness. You're not oneness. If you're dividing the body of Christ, you're not oneness. You're one-ish. But you're not oneness. Uh, my Savior said that they all may be one, even as we are one. His oneness gives us the empowerment to become one with each other. And, and it has to be real. It can't be fake. You can't, listen, you can't put a fake smile on at a conference and then go talk about the people you just smiled at. No, it's got to be real. It's got to be real. I said it's got to be real. You need to fear God too much to raise your voice against your brother. When you raise your voice against your brother, you're carving off a piece of the ox. Brother Robinette, you'll say it here in a minute. I'm, I'm guaranteed that you will. You've said it all week long, and I heard it. My spirit heard it. Billions. 
billions. Have you heard him say it? Billions. I looked over at Brother Elms and I said, Brother Robinette is speaking that into existence. He's declaring it into existence. Billions. And Brother Elms responded and said, well, I know God came to save billions. He said, I know Jesus died for billions. Why not billions? But I'm going to tell you something. If we want to reap a harvest of billions, we've got to be strong as an ox. We've got to be strong as an ox. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you what the Lord spoke to me this week concerning this. And I'm just going to tell you. I felt the Lord speak to me saying, I'm done with division. I will judge those who divide. He's thrusting in his sickle. He's thrusting in his sickle. Don't be a tear. Because the separation is starting. The separation is starting. He's done with it. You and I had better be done with it. No, we don't get the luxury of being offended anymore. Those days are gone. Well, you don't know what they said about you. I don't care what they said. You don't get to be offended anymore. You don't get to. It's over. We've got a harvest. We've got a field to plow. We've got fields to plow. We need the ox. We need every part of this ox. No, Naphtali, you don't get to hoard your part of the body over within your borders. We need the whole ox. <laughs> Uh, unity. Behold, how good, how pleasant. I want my children and my grandchildren. I want them to be given the gift of a united Pentecostal church international. I want them to walk into every meeting they walk into and say, I'm home. I'm with the brethren. I'm with my sisters. I'm with, I'm with the family of God. And we love each other. And listen, if there's a passive aggressive mark or if there's a snide comment, doesn't matter. I'm done with division. I love you anyway. I forgive you. You don't even have to ask me for forgiveness anymore. I forgive you. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because Jesus gave us a new commandment, Brother Morgan. He gave us a new commandment. He said, you've heard that you should love your neighbor as yourself. But I bring a new commandment. And the new commandment is, you need to love each other like I love you. And here's the problem. You don't know how much he loves you. You're not at the cross enough. You're not at the cross enough. When you're at the cross, you see he loves you. And when you know that he loves you, you're able to love people like he loves you. The reason I can't be offended is because God, Brother Kyle, has refused to be offended at me. 
I don't deserve to stand here today. I don't deserve it. I'm not just saying that. I don't deserve to be in this pulpit. I don't deserve to be in this house. I don't deserve to be in his presence. I am absolutely 100% unworthy. And yet when I walk into this house, this holy presence of the almighty God has surrounded me. Oh, I have to love people the way he has loved me. I have to welcome people the way he has welcomed me. I had a good friend. I had a good friend who said some bad things about me. I knew it. It came back to me. It was verified. I knew it. I knew it happened. And, and, and so what? So what? I'm still their friend. They're still my friend. And somebody, knowing the situation, said, how can you be friends with them after what they said? And I said, I, I don't know, but I, all I can tell you is I love them. And I don't care what they said. I don't. I don't care. They were probably frustrated or maybe worse yet. They just don't like me. I don't know. But, but they might be fake. They might be dealing with some hypocrisy. I don't know. I'll pray God gives them the victory. But I love them. That's not Joel's love. That's the love of God. That's an agape love. And we better get baptized with it if we want to reap billions. We hold forgiveness like it's leverage. I might talk to you if you start acting better. I might, I might encourage you if you start acting nicer. No, no, no. That's forgiveness is not your leverage. Forgive. Oh my God. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. Have you forgotten how much mercy you needed? Have you forgotten how much mercy you needed? Have you forgotten how you shouldn't be here? You shouldn't just be dead and in your grave. You should be dead and in hell. But God, who is rich in mercy. Forgiveness isn't mine. Forgiveness is God's. Do you know what the word for gave? Just invert it. Gave for. That's what he did. He gave for it. I forgave it because he gave for it. They offended me, but they don't owe me anything. Yeah, they do. There's a debt, but it's a debt they can't pay. They can't pay it. What are they going to do? Undo the damage? They can't. Jesus paid it all. He already gave for it. Don't worry about it. Because I remember when I was ignorant and arrogant and broken and bitter and saying stuff I should have never said and having feelings I should have never harbored. He gave for it. So forget about it. <laughs> he already gave for you. Can we put, I want to put a, a verse of scripture. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I, I need to put a verse of scripture. It's, it's a real obscure one. We need to, if you could get ready. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this scripture before. Uh, it's in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. Could you put that up on the screen real quick? I want to go real deep. 
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of... Many times when we quote it and don't read it, we put the word your before sins. For the remission of your sins. And that's not what the Bible says. For the remission of sins. You want to know why it doesn't put the word your there? Because it's not just remitting your sins. It is washing away your sins and every other sin that has ever or will ever be committed against you. When I come up out of the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, all my sins are washed away. And every unclean, ungodly, offensive thing that was ever done to me, that's washed away at the same time. Listen, if you go down in those waters and you think you come up forgiven for your sins, but you're going to hold everybody else accountable for theirs, you have taken the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Because we forgive our debtors as we forgive, as we are forgiven, we forgive our debtors. Behold, how good. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment. The precious ointment that Brother Green preached about. That Brother Bounds preached about. That oil. That precious ointment. Do you know what that ointment is? Everything in that ointment is crushed. Everything. And that's what unity is like. Unity isn't me and you deciding on what we can agree to or disagree upon. No, it's not me trying to pick what parts of my speculation and opinions I can do without and which ones I, I could never do without. No, no. That's not what it's about. Unity is about me completely dying. And you completely dying. And Jesus completely dying. And us being cast into him. That's the precious ointment. The base of the ointment is the olive oil. And that olive oil started flowing in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. But there's other ingredients that go in that ointment. The other ingredients are also crushed. They're ground down to powder, to seasonings. And they're, they're taken and they're thrown in to that base of olive oil. The other ingredients are when Joel in Cincinnati says, Not my will, but thy will be done. And Brother Elms in Fort Lauderdale says, Not my will, but thy will be done. And Brother Carson in Indianapolis says, Not my will, but thy will be done. And Brother Wells in Titusville says, Not my will, but thy will be done. And all of you say, Not my will, but thy will be done. And each of us are crushed. Each of us are broken. Each of us are ground down. And we're all poured into Christ. In Christ the promises of God are yea and amen. Man. It's in Christ that we sit together in heavenly places. It's in Christ that we are new creatures. All things are passed away. All things are become new. It's in Christ that there's no condemnation. Unity is in Christ. 
Hallelujah. Unity is in Christ. Let not the eye say to the ear, I have no need of you. Yes, you do. We have a harvest to reap. We have fields to plow. We have seed to sow. And we can't do it unless we're strong as an ox. I'm coming to a close. Our musicians could come. Thank you. I'm coming to a close. I remember glory, Pastor Myers. I remember glory in our midst. That was so palpable. And we've talked about it. Elders, elders, you know what I'm talking about. Glory. Mr. Myers alluded to it yesterday. He said, don't leave. Linger in his presence. And, and, and I'm not saying that there was ever an Ichabod moment. I don't believe there was. But I, I do think sometimes as years go by, we start to forget how beautiful the glory is. And if we're not careful, we, we could let lamps go out that need to burn continually. And if we're not careful, we can let the ark of God be taken that, that God gave as a gift to us. That ark hoisted upon the shoulders of the priests as they held those staves in that ark. They, they cut off the Jordan River with that ark. The priests. But when that ark came back to Israel, it was on a new cart. And it wasn't carried by priests. It was carried by oxen. And I know, it, it, probably, it probably should have been carried by priests. I get it. I've preached that. But it wasn't. It was carried by oxen. And I want you to know that this revival, this harvest that's coming, that's here already, it's not going to be borne upon the shoulders of your favorite preachers. It's going to be carried by a unified body that is strong as an ox. And, and, be, and listen, listen, be careful because there are going to be moments when it gets a little shaky. There are going to be moments where you think, oh no, 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 it can't be like that because we got, and you'll try to steady the glory. Pull your hand back. Don't try it. Don't try it. Let God be God. Don't make the mistake of user and try to fix what God is doing. All you got to do is get in the flow. Get in the river. Get the oil. Hallelujah. Let the breath of God come into the bones of man. Find out where the wind is blowing. Get your hands in the dirt of ministry. Let a second wind envelop your lungs and come together. Knit together as one man strong. As an ox able, able to plow the field, sow the seed, and reap the harvest of billions that God is bringing to His kingdom. Could you lift your hands right now? Here's what I want us to do if we could. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of flesh involved. I want people to come to the front of this house right now who say, God, please forgive me for seeking my own. Please forgive me for seeking limelight. Please forgive me for feeling offended. Listen, I'm not trying to put you under any kind of false guilt. It's normal to feel offended. I, I'm not, it's flesh. It's normal. 
but we are not normal we are people who are peculiar we're not divided by age we're a chosen generation we're not divided by ethnicity we're a holy nation we're not divided even by our individualities we're a peculiar people and we're not divided by by spiritual status we are a royal priesthood but I want us before we go any further today to each of us lay down ourselves before the Lord say God please forgive me for feeling offended please forgive me help me help me help my feelings help me to feel the way I'm supposed to feel help me to wait patiently on you help me to put my shoulder to the plow help me to be obedient help me to hear your spirit help me to love my brother help me to forgive those who have wounded me with their words help me If we all start doing this, <laughs> if we all start doing this, we're going to come together strong as an ox. And we're going to plow fields. We're going to sow seed. And we're going to reap harvest. Come on, every one of us, myself included. We have to reach out to God. Lord, I don't know how to be one with my brother. Help me be one with my brother. I don't know how to love people who have hurt me. Help me to love people who have hurt me. I don't know how to bless those who persecute me. I don't know how to love my enemies. I don't know how to pray for them which despitefully use me. Help me, Lord. Help me. They'll break you down and pour you into the precious ointment of unity.
everything changes, everything changes Your kingdom comes, that your kingdom comes. Let there be a mighty Lord that just comes up from deep. Everything Let that warmth of affirmation that God, I will do your will. Let it rise up from deep and give God just a mighty shout of praise in this house right now. Oh, Jesus. You're good, God. You're good, God. We worship you, God. Come on, let's just let that roar sound out right now. I will bless you, oh God. Everything within me will bless your name, God. You're better than good, God. You're better than great, God. You're everything. You're everything. You're everything. You're everything. Oh, Jesus. 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 His praises shall continue to be in my mouth No matter what I see or how I feel As long as I'm breathing, oh yes I'm breathing I'll bless the Lord As long as I'm breathing, oh yes I'm breathing I'll bless the Lord Oh you're worthy Jesus I will bless I will bless the Lord at all times And His praises And His praises Continuing in my mouth No matter what I see or how I feel As long as I'm free As long as I'm free Oh yes I'm free I'll bless the Lord As long as I'm free Oh yes I'm free I'll bless the Lord Oh magnify
today. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Come on. Let's. You've been better than good to me.
God one more time and shout. Yes, hallelujah. You can stand, you can stay, you can keep on clapping, praising because we're not done yet. My Lord, are you thankful for what you've already received? Wouldn't at least be courteous and polite before you sit down to another meal to give God thanks again for what you've already had? He's good. I got a text. Can you introduce Brother Robinette? No. Talk about non-essential workers. You received a word of faith multiple times. You received a word of wisdom, word of prophecy, word of knowledge. Every time someone has opened their mouth with apostolic anointing in this conference, you have received a word. But you're about to receive another word. We're not going to pray for a blessing of the word because it's already blessed. We're not going to pray for the man of God because he's already been prayed for. The leadership and the committee and this team and this church has been praying for months. There's only one question. The word's coming. Revelation 2 said, He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you know as well as I do in the Jewish culture, there's no word for listen, think about it, bring it to committee, and then get back. The word hear means obey. I hear it and I obey it. When a word of faith comes forward, it's dead without works. Now, I'm not limiting him to a word of faith. I've heard him teach. I've heard him preach. I've seen him minister to leadership teams. I'm not limited. Do what the Lord gives him. You, you, how many want to receive whatever God has from Brother Robinette? But how many will hear it and do it? I'm going to challenge you. As he's walking up here, he's going to hit the ground running. Lay hands on the person next to you. Not in unity. Pray that their ears will be open, that their eyes and heart and minds will be open to receive and that their hands and feet will obey in the name of Jesus. Come on now, why don't you begin to clap your hands? Somebody begin to shout unto the Lord with a great shout. Come on, if you came with faith, you ought to shout. You ought to praise the Lord. Something unprecedented and powerful is happening in the spiritual atmosphere right now there is a spiritual shift 
that's taking place in the kingdom of God and we are getting ready to move into a new dimension of multiplication of harvest where we will see billions of souls Holy Ghost has sent me today to prophesy your kingdom and spiritual future into your spiritual hearts. The Holy Ghost has sent me to seed the spiritual atmosphere with his words and so I want you to lift up your hands right now as I prophesy as the Lord has commanded me I want you to begin to speak with other tongues hear the word of the Lord you will go and you will carry and you will teach the gospel to your neighbors, to your work colleagues, to your classmates, to your families, to your cities, to your nations. You will go and carry the gospel to the streets, to the neighborhoods, to houses, to synagogues, to the Muslims, to the Catholics, to the Baptists, to the atheists. This day, in this room, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers will be activated, equipped, and released globally. This day, an impartation of the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues will be released upon you and activated by you and you will see billions hear the word of the Lord this day the rivers will overtake you and this generation will see with your own eyes billions repent of their sins Billions be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Billions baptized in Jesus' name. You will see the dead raised again. You will witness blinded eyes being opened you will see the deaf receive their hearing you will see all manner of diseases being miraculously healed 
you will speak the word of faith to multitudes and creative miracles and creative miraculous demonstrations will manifest at your words. You will lay hands on those that are crippled and they will walk. You will experience and witness the fulfillment of the promise of God in John chapter 14 and verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father and whatsoever you shall ask in my name that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son if you shall ask anything in my name I will do it hallelujah in this meeting you have been poised and positioned by God to manifest his power to the entire world so that you can declare as Paul did my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God hear the word of the Lord you will witness this apostolic reality for the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ you will witness this apostolic reality that no weapon hallelujah that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord And God said, I make this promise to my people today. Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. 
it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it and if you believe that word today I want you to shout like you have faith for billions come on if you believe God for billions if you can see it with your spiritual eyes you ought to shout I'm going to preach to you for a few moments simply this. We see billions. I said we see billions. And if you can say that and you can feel that in your spiritual system, why don't you take somebody by the hand and shout with them and stomp with them and say it. Say we See billions. Come on. I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke that spirit that's been oppressing you. I release you to see billions. Take somebody by the hand. Lift their hand up right now. I want you to begin to speak with other tongues as loud as you can. I command the veil to be taken off of your eyes. I command kingdom vision, kingdom purpose, and kingdom identity to get in your spirit. Let your spiritual eyes be open now. Let your spiritual vision see the kingdom like God sees it. Say it out loud. We see billions. We see billions. We see billions. Because you will witness greater things than any generation has ever witnessed before. Because you will preach 
to millions and you will speak the word of faith over millions and you yourself will be able to say I saw millions receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because you are going to be a part of the army of God in these last days that will partner together in unity to see unprecedented because you will witness a harvest of billions and because greater miracles signs and wonders are going to follow after you like nobody has ever seen before because you are going to move into a dimension of authority and power that causes kings to shake and presidents to tremble because you are going to move into the atmosphere of supernatural power and authority you must understand that this greater that you will experience and you will witness with your own eyes it will not be free and it will not be cheap How amazing that would be if it cost us nothing. But where we're going, it's going to cost us everything. Your time, your treasures, your talents, your reputation. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family. You're going to have people that push away from you. You're going to have social media platforms that are not kind to you, that are not favorable to you. You're going to have people say things about you, a narrative that's not true, but there's nothing you can do about about it because you have your eyes on billions you're gonna have to lay yourself on an altar somewhere and say I'm giving up this double-minded mentality I'm giving up the pursuit of the favor of men because I want the favor of God I don't care about positions titles places We see billions. You got to get on an altar somewhere. Say, I give up that unsubmitted spirit. I give up that gossiping spirit. I give up that slandering spirit. I give up that joy that rises up inside of me when I step on the throat of my brother and sister in Christ. You're going to have to give up.
you're going to have to lay down that arrogant, prideful, unsubmitted. Gotta have my way, Brother Carson. My name in the spotlight. Got a phone call. I know I'm a little different today, forgive me. But I got a phone call about four years ago from a young man, Brother Carson. I was, I answered the phone. We were preparing for a crusade. That's okay, go sit, do whatever you want to do. It's okay. Okay, stay. That was a little uncomfortable, guys. Thank you. That young man called me on the phone, an evangelist. Called me on the phone and he said, Brother Robinette, I'm so excited to tell you I'm going to join your crusade team. He said, I'm so excited. He said, I have the corner on the market of apostolic ministry. And now I'm going to join your team. And the world is going to see how gifted and how anointed I am. The wells, it's hard to imagine that that could even possibly be true. He didn't stop there. He continued to exalt himself. And I was so in shock, Brother Wells, that I sat there and just received it. Just I couldn't understand what I was hearing. I thought it was a joke. All of a sudden, something rose up inside of me. And I said, brother, I said, we have two different understandings of apostolic ministry. I said, you want offices and you want giftings to make a name for yourself so that you can have the corner on the market. I said, but what God has put into my system in these last days is that we will put dynamite and TNT all in the market and we will explode it so that a little bit gets on you and a little bit gets on you and a little jumps onto you you so that in these last days a million soldiers will launch out of North America preaching the gospel I said, we're going to blow up the market so nobody can get the credit. So when we fill stadiums and so when billions start to speak with other tongues and somebody says, who is that over there? We can say, we have no idea. It's just the unified body of Christ that's working together in harmony to accomplish a kingdom purpose if that's what you want you want to get on your feet and shout
come on somebody you gotta die I said you gotta die you can't have your name in the lights in these last days only Jesus can have his name in the lights you gotta get out of the way get your flesh out of the way what Paul said I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so because we are going to see billions because you are the army that's going to leave these doors today taking not just only this city but this nation and the world by storm because God has anointed you imparted into your spiritual systems because you said yes and you said I want to put away this worldly culture and take on the culture of Christ and the vision of the king this is me teaching because of those things you must number one be intentional about positioning yourself to receive activate and operate in apostolic impartation you don't stumble into it it is intentional it is intentional and I want you to understand that radical submission radical humility radical sacrifice and radical prayer position you to receive apostolic impartation that produces radical demonstration of the spirit and power there is no shortcut to apostolic ministry that does not involve radical submission I know the world hates that word I know the world hates it. I know they want you to question authority and they want you to resist authority and they want you to challenge authority and they want you to dismiss authority. But the law of the kingdom is that obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. When you resist authority, 
dismiss authority challenge authority that is when the devil can get a hold of you and steal kill and destroy your spiritual future your kingdom vision child of God who is under spiritual authority who submits themselves I love what Brother Robinson said he said this about submission he said submission is the instant willing obedience to a lawful order I'm going to tell you what's wrong with this generation and what's the spirit of this world. They say don't obey authority. They say challenge authority. They got you questioning the authority of your pastor. They got you shopping for a pastor that will tell you what you want to hear. They even have deceived some of us into thinking we can have a committee that speaks into our life and nobody, we don't have to stop and submit to any one man. tell you right now if you don't have a pastor a pastor that can tell you no without getting you all offended and worked up and church hopping and church shopping and pastor hopping and pastor shopping if you don't have a man of God that can look you in the eye and say shut up sit down you're wrong you ain't got it I'm gonna tell you you are backslidden never forget some of you wouldn't like this but I remember when I first got my license brother Carson and I was let me let me just back up a minute you know how much I loved my pastor I could not wait to be in his presence I mowed his lawn I pulled his weeds I showed up unannounced unexpected I took his clothes to the dry cleaner I called him on the phone and said can I drive you wherever you're going today he didn't have to have a word for me but I wanted that proximity anointing I wanted to be close to the man of God because I knew if I could just get close, something could leap upon me and change. You're too good to mow your pastor's lawn. You're too good to drive him and chauffeur him around. You got no business in an apostolic pulpit. Where you need to be is an apostolic altar where you can repent, get your spirit right, get your attitude right, and put yourself under the authority of a man of God so that you can safely and confidently operate in spiritual authority. 
I was taking my pastor to my very first district conference, Brother Wells. So excited driving my pastor. He was the superintendent of Michigan at that time. I was driving with the superintendent. You don't understand that. I was 16 and very excited. Driving that Lincoln. He used to drive that old Lincoln. I was driving it down the highway. And he was imparting some things. And then he turned around. And I thought things were, he was about to say something. That I, I had something to say. And he, he said, he said, Brother Robinette. He said, when we get in this meeting today. He said, if you feel like you've got something to say in front of all those ministers. I was feeling pretty lifted up. Wow, this is my moment. My bishop's about to say, you just speak what thus saith the Lord. He said, if you think you got something to say, it's a spirit of deception. He said, shut your mouth and sit down. He said, because until you've sweat and shed blood, until your fingers have been in the soil and the dirt and you've been digging up this ground to see the kingdom advanced he said you have nothing to say that would have made some of you find another pastor you'd have said oh how dare he talk to me that way how dare he tell me I'm not valuable, that my words are, my goodness, it didn't do anything to me but make me get excited because I knew my pastor, my pastor knew what I was ready for. He knew. We are submitted to authority. We will have greater understanding about how spiritual authority works. I love Matthew chapter 8, that verses 5 through 10, where it said, And when Jesus was entered in Cap into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Come, Pastor Myers, I'll do it. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And here's why. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to a man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. He doesn't question me. He doesn't challenge me. He doesn't dismiss me. They do what I tell them to do. And the Bible said when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith no not in Israel he said this person that understands spiritual authority has the greatest 
faith of any man, any woman, any apostle I have ever seen. Somebody who loves the man of God, who submits. Somebody ought to be on your feet. If you love your pastor, if you understand authority, you ought to get on your feet and lift your hands and begin to speak with other tongues. Come on, you can't have apostolic authority if you're not under apostolic authority. Why don't you lay your hand on your neighbor and say, I release the revelation of authority. Come on, God has given you pastors after his own heart. You ought to lift your voice. You ought to thank God for the gift of a pastor. Come on, somebody. Your pastor is your shepherd. It's the voice of God. It's the watchman on the wall. It's your spiritual leader. It's the preacher of righteousness. He's the example of the believer. Your pastor's in this room. You ought to go surround them right now. And you ought to just try to put your hand on him and say, I submit to your authority. You ought to be bold for a moment and go to the man of God and say, I am under your spiritual authority. Go ahead. Maybe you should get a hold of his feet. Maybe you should get a hold of his hands. Maybe you need to get a hold of your own spirit and say, I am submitted to spiritual authority. You can't chase me away. You can't defend me. Come on, come on, your pastor loves you. Your pastor gives himself away for you. Your pastor blesses you. He anoints you. He empowers you. He sends you. He releases you. Your pastor is a gift from God.
come on pastor tell me straight speak into my life hold nothing back I need your voice I need you to tell me to stop I need you to tell me to go I need you to tell me to shut up Come on, don't get offended at the man of God. He's going to save your soul. Don't get offended. Open the doors. Say, speak what you will. I need the man of God. Come on, you can't chase me away, pastor. You can't preach it hard enough. You can't preach the truth hard enough. I receive it. I receive it. I need that word from the man of God. I see billions. Listen to me, listen to me. I want everybody to get out into the aisle. I want you to pre prepare, just prepare to come. There's no way, no way that I'm going to finish this message today. Impossible. But there is something that the Lord quickened into my spirit. We're talking about God positioning us for apostolic ministry. An apostolic anointing that produces billions of souls. Billions. Remember four years ago. I was in the nation of Germany. It was our election season for the German-speaking nations, for all of our general offices. There was a lot of stuff going on in the background. A lot of craziness going on. I had called my pastor. Guess what? I've got a pastor. And he rebuked me two weeks ago at general conference. And guess what? I repented of my sins. 47 years old. I've seen hundreds of thousands receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've seen, I, I can't think of a miracle in the book of Acts that I have not seen except the dead being raised. And all we need is a volunteer today. Just one volunteer and we can wrap this joker up.
pastor, Brother Myers. Brother Raymond Woodward is my pastor. And I want you to understand, he's not easy on me. He's not easy on me. At general conference just a couple weeks ago, we had a meeting. And he said, tell me what you're feeling and thinking. And boy, did I let him have it. I knew I had an ally until I didn't. He let me get it all out. And he said, well, now we know the problem. He said, your spirit's the problem. And he started rebuking me across the table of a Starbucks. Tears started flowing down my face. Matter of fact, I think Brother Wells was sitting in that restaurant and that Starbucks because Brother Woodward said, let's get up and get out of here. There's Brother Wells right over there, and I don't want anybody to see you crying. We went out back behind that Starbucks, and he held me in his arms while he rebuked me, prayed for me, healed me, and resent me. Would you let the man of God do that to you? Would you let the man of God say that to you? Could he tell you you're wrong and you not get offended and hurt and start church hopping? I will never forget many years ago don't anybody get offended I tell these stories to help you not hurt you I don't want you to look at me and look bad at me and think I'm some bad person I would hate that but if I don't tell you the truth how can you learn from my mistakes if I act like I'm sitting on top of a hill and I've never failed I remember getting an invitation, Pastor Myers, to preach for a church in a certain state between the north and south, east and west. <laughs> the pastor called me, Brother Carson, and he said, we're going to have hundreds that need the Holy Ghost. Hundreds. Well, now, this was probably 20-something years ago. and I was so excited. Hundreds getting the Holy Ghost. Boy, Brother Myers, this is going to put my name in the spotlight. Is it okay if I'm honest with you? This is my moment. It's my day. I showed up at this little home missions church that had 10 people sitting in the sanctuary and one that needed the Holy Ghost. I was so angry, Brother Myers. How dare they bring me here for one soul? Could you imagine that, Brother Urshan? How dare they bring me for one soul? I walked to the pulpit and I said, I'm not preaching for one soul. I said, man, 
You that needs the Holy Ghost, come down to the front. God's going to fill you right now, and I'm leaving. And God filled him, Brother Helms. Not to confirm me, but to confirm his word. Brother Carson, I walked out the doors of that building with arrogance and pride. And my phone rang. And it was Billy Cole on the phone. You know what he said? The first words out of his mouth. He said, you stupid, arrogant boy. What have you done? He said, I'm sitting in the living room of my house and God showed me the words you just spoke. He said, get on an airplane. Cancel all of your preaching for the rest of this year. Get in my living room. If you survive me, you might preach again. Would you let your pastor call you a stupid, arrogant boy? Could your man of God speak harshly to you? And because you love him, and because you love the kingdom, you fall on your knees and say, it's okay. Speak. Change me. I'm submitted. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me miss this moment. Don't let me... canceled everything got on an airplane flew to Charleston drove to Nitro walked into the living room of that apostle's house and fell on the floor and for three days he rebuked me called me every name in the book but at the end of three days he put his hands on my head and said I heal you in Jesus name he said, I restore you in Jesus' name. He said, stand up, apostle. Stand up, man of God. He said, from this point forward, wherever you set down your feet, you will have a harvest. He said, from this point forward, because you submitted yourself and you humbled. Somebody needs to get your hands in the air and say, I receive that. I receive that. I submit myself. Listen, here's what God told me to tell you. Everybody take about four steps back. team I was in Germany four years ago a lot of junk had been going on I didn't know whether or not that I would be reelected as the general superintendent there was this craziness brother Carson and there's no way to explain it you just can't understand and it wouldn't make sense to you okay but I called my pastor and my pastor said he said, don't you dare withdraw your name. He said, God wants you there. You keep your name in every single time that I was considering something. I called my man of God and my man of God told me yes or no. And it was good enough for me. 
I went into that meeting. I got unanimously reelected as the superintendent. Boy, Brother Myers, I had a word for that general superintendent service. I came with a word, Pastor. I was, had a vision, Brother Carson. I was going to convey vision. I stepped into the pulpit. When I did, the man that had caused me all these problems and so discord and was so evil and had spoken all this junk and caused all this harm for decades, he was sitting on the front row. And God said, close your Bible. You're not preaching tonight. You're going to go wash his feet. I was so angry at God. Brother Kyle, I turned around. Now you have to understand, we were winning hundreds of Trinitarians and Trinitarian pastors all across Germany. So there were over a hundred ministers present to see this united Pentecostal church in action. I was going to give them a word and show them how we did things. God said, you're not preaching. He said, where I'm about to take you, you cannot carry any baggage. He said, the billions that I'm going to let you see, you can't carry the luggage of bitterness, anger, strife, gossip, discord. He said, where I'm about to take you, he said, you're going to have to humble yourself and wash the feet not only of your brethren and your pastor, but even your enemies. I was turned around, looking at the back wall, and I was talking to God, and I said, are you kidding me? Just being honest. I said, are you kidding me? Do you know what he's done? The trouble he's caused. God spoke to me and said, No, and he doesn't know all the trouble you've done and the trouble you've caused, but I do. And I forgave you. And I anointed you, and I healed you, and I released you. I turned around, and I called for a bucket of water. I went down to that front row, and I knelt down in front of that man who had caused so much damage. Decades. Decades of damage. My knees hit the floor. There was a shattering 
in the spiritual atmosphere. Chains begin to break all over the room. And when my hands grabbed a hold of his feet, Brother Carson, Trinitarian ministers started speaking in other tongues all across the room. That one act of unity, submission, humility broke the spiritual atmosphere loose and all of a sudden it wasn't just my vision for billions but they began to receive it I never got off my knees for an hour I wish I wish I could tell you that that moment changed that man but it did not but oh, how it changed me. Oh, how it freed me. <laughs> oh, how it opened up my spiritual eyes. crusades all around the world the crusade team always washes each other's feet because we are humbling ourselves one to another and we're saying we want you to increase we want you to be blessed we want you to have favor we prophesy over one another the things that we want in our ministry we give it to you it's not mine if I'm gonna see billions I want you to see billions <laughs> and so today because this is now the launching pad for the greatest crusade team that has ever been on this planet. And because you are going to see billions, we are going to humble ourselves one to another. And I want every man and every woman and every child that wants to be a part of a crusade team to come and find a bucket and find somebody in this altar. And I want you to begin to wash one another's feet and begin to prophesy into each other's lives. Would you do that right now? Maybe get your pastor by the hand and start with your pastor and say, Pastor, I want to wash your feet right now. Would somebody come on? Would somebody come on? I want Brother Gore to come up here. I want to wash your feet, Brother Gore. Come on and get on this platform. Where's Brother Colton? Young Brother Colton. I want to wash your feet. Come here, boy. I want to wash your feet. Young Black Share, come here. I want to wash your feet today because God's got an anointing on you, your generation. God's going to impart some things as I wash your feet. 
come on get a hold of your pastor get a hold of somebody and here's what we do as a crusade team when somebody else is washing their feet we go ahead and get on our knees and we lay hands on them also and we prophesy over one another come on get in here and lay your hands on brother Carson get on in here lay your hands on these ladies
his hands and multiply God all that I am and find my heart on the altar again set me on fire set me on fire God, all that I am 
is, is move the panel uh, till tomorrow morning, and uh, we may get started a little bit earlier. Uh, it'll probably be at 9 o'clock, and uh, some of the participants on that may uh, change somewhat, but we felt like it was important. This was a divine move of the Holy Ghost. We didn't want to interrupt it, but um, we did want to uh, make sure that we got that in because there are some very important things that are going to happen during that panel discussion. I feel like it'll, it'll, uh, it'll feed our souls. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about for just a moment, and I, I may uh, mention it again tonight because I know we only have a percentage of our group that's here, but for those of you that have stayed and those of you that have been a part of this foot washing, I really feel like that this is tailor-made for you. And that is that, you know, one of the, the, the core principles of this conference is that we would not, it would not just be inspirational, but that we would also equip you. Because inspiration without instruction ends up being frustration. So we wanted to be able to equip you. So I wanted to tell you about an initiative that's going to be launched in January that's called Global Harvest in Motion. And Global Harvest in Motion, which the acrostic will be G-Him, like glorify Him. But Global Harvest in Motion is how we believe we can see a million souls a year be saved. As Brother uh, Robinette was talking about when he talked about uh, reaching billions, the way we get to a billion is that we've got to get to a million first. And the way we get to a million is that we've got to go through a thousand first. So for several months now, Brother Robinette, Brother Chris Green, and myself have been working with some other people and putting together this initiative where we believe that we can train a thousand people that are ministers, millennials, anybody that's got a heart uh, for the harvest. We believe that we can train uh, at a minimum a thousand people that then can go and be a part of crusades that will be both internationally and domestically. And so this global harvest in motion is going to involve training it's going to start here in Palm Bay, January 14th and 15th. Brother Robinette, Brother Green will be back here and we'll be doing a training. It'll be a Friday night and Saturday uh, morning and we'll be doing training. And then uh, for those of you that come from out of town, you don't have to go back for the weekend. Um, we're going to be having a crusade that weekend here with Brother David Smith. So that's going to be the first training, but the training is going to be regional. We have uh, some 25 other churches that are partnering with us there's going to be training about every three or four months and what we believe is uh, in 2022 do they have the graphic there it is behind us in 2022 we're going to start with 10 crusades we're going to have five globally and five domestically and one one of the things that COVID has taught us is that we need to be having crusades right here in North America so we started going into our high school football stadiums. We did a crusade here locally last year, and we saw people in the middle of COVID pack out a football stadium, and we seen miracles. Some of you were a part of that. People get up out of wheelchairs. We saw almost 60 people filled with the Holy Ghost. We're doing it again in April, and that's here locally. Other churches, other cities are going to be doing it in their own local community. Folks, this is not just some pie-in-the-sky vision. We believe that we can put... Uh, flesh on the bones, so to speak. And what they've been preaching about today is true. It can't just be 40 or 50 of us doing crusades. It's an army. I said it's an army. And we're, we're going to be equipped. We're going to be taught how to operate in faith, how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, how to harvest, how to work on a crusade team, the organization behind it. And uh, we're, then we're going to expose you to one. 
and then the next time you can go and you're going to be mentoring someone else and it's going to just go exponentially and it's going to keep multiplying itself and we're going to be seeing hundreds of thousands and millions of people receiving the Holy Ghost all around the world and all around North America. Do you believe that? It's God's plan. It's God's will. So I wanted to make sure that you knew about that. You'll be hearing more about it. If you registered for this conference and we have your email address, we'll make sure that we get that information to you. Don't forget tonight, 7 p.m. Go get some lunch, get some rest, come back. We're going to have the time of our lives tonight, 7 p.m. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.